0: Jesus and the Jewish teacher Nicodemus are in an intense conversation. And in the middle, Jesus compares himself to that serpent lifted up by Moses in the wilderness on The Bible Brief. The Bible Brief is dedicated to helping people like you learn the life-changing story and message of the Bible. Have we helped you discover the story? If so, please consider leaving us a review on your podcast player and telling us how this podcast has helped you read the Bible in a new way. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. From the Gospel of John, chapter 3. Serpents are universally viewed as negative throughout the Bible. In every case, serpents are seen as pests that not only bite the heel, but often have venom that kills. Serpents are viewed so negatively, in fact, that as God restores peace in the animal kingdom at the end of all things, He will yet confine the serpent to eating the dust of the earth. In many ways, the Bible's view of serpents is to put them at the bottom of the animal kingdom. And it's no wonder, given the story of the Bible, that we've come to know so far. After all, a serpent is at the root of the problem of the Bible. Remember it was a crafty serpent who approached the first woman with these fateful words. Did God really say you should not eat of any tree in the garden? The serpent's deception tricked Eve into eating the fruit, paving the way for her husband's open rebellion to God's command. They both ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They both disobeyed God's command in sin. They both died because of their sin. But it all began with that serpent's words. Did God really say? Outside of the Garden of Eden, we see several other mentions of serpents in the Bible usually in the context of proverbial sayings or comparisons of things to serpents. But nowhere do we have such a vivid and impactful mention of serpents as during the trek of the Israelites to the eastern border of the land of Canaan. We read this in Numbers 21. From Mount Hor they set out by the way to the Red Sea, to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many of the people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole, and if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. The Israelites' impatience and discontentment leads them to complain against God, and as a result, God sends fiery serpents among the people as a judgment on them. But upon the people's contrition and repentance, God provides a way for them to be healed from the venom of the serpents. He instructs Moses to fashion the likeness of a serpent and to hold it up on a pole. Then God says that whoever looks at the serpent would live and be healed. As readers, this should really perk up our ears. Why would God have Moses hold up a serpent? Why not a bird? Why anything at all? Couldn't God just heal the people? Why require them to look at something to be healed? Lots of questions and few answers in the text itself. Yet, much later in the Bible, in a famous conversation, we see this story mentioned again in a new context. As Jesus speaks with the religious leader Nicodemus, his use of this story helps us answer some of the questions that we had back in the book of Numbers. Let's hear some of this conversation. Nicodemus, despite being a religious teacher among the Israelites in the land, is having trouble understanding that people need to be newly born in order to enter the kingdom of God. That is, the alienation from God caused by sin must be solved spiritually through a spiritual new birth. Despite Jesus' explanations, he still isn't getting it. And that's where we will enter the conversation, as Jesus uses his favorite self-reference as the Son of Man to continue his conversation with Nicodemus. We read this in John chapter 3, starting in verse 9. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe— How can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus appeals to Nicodemus and his knowledge of the Hebrew Bible. In effect, he says, Nicodemus, what I'm telling you shouldn't be surprising to you. This is what people need. They need to be born again. They need to change from the inside out. If you don't get this, how can I share more things with you? Only I, the Son of Man, can tell you of heavenly things. And just as I came down from heaven, so I will also be lifted up. I'll be lifted up, just like that serpent was lifted by Moses in the desert. After emphasizing this requirement for new life by the Spirit of God, Jesus uses the bronze serpent story to introduce the means by which this new life from the Spirit is gained. He says that, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus points back to this experience of the Israelites in the desert because he wants Nicodemus to understand the essential truth that was embedded in the story. The truth that God provides salvation and all people need to do is look in belief at what he provided. Again, that God provides salvation and that all people need to do is look in belief at what he has provided. That's what the Israelites did. They were dying from the venom of the serpents and they needed salvation. They needed to be saved from their fate of death. And God graciously provided their way of salvation Through Moses, he provided the bronze serpent to them, and all they needed to do was look on that serpent that God provided to be healed. Jesus is comparing the people of the world to those Israelites who were bitten by the snakes. And in a way, everyone does suffer from a snake bite. From that very first temptation by the serpent in the garden, humanity has been dealing with the awful effects of sin on ourselves and on the world. Worst of all, our fate is spiritual death because of our sin. The world needs healing spiritually, just as the Israelites in the wilderness needed healing physically. And Jesus says that just as the bronze serpent was lifted up, so also he will be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Is it not odd, though, that Jesus is comparing himself to the serpent in the wilderness? The tempter and deceiver of mankind was in the form of a serpent. The one who led the world into sin was a serpent. And now Jesus is comparing himself to a bronze emblem of this very animal. Perhaps a way that we can understand God's use of this imagery is with another text that we find in one of the Apostle Paul's letters to the church in Corinth. In his second letter to that church, we read this. For our sake, God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God." Did you hear that? God made Jesus to be sin. God put the sin of the world on Jesus, so that Jesus could put his own righteousness on everyone who believes. This great exchange may provide a clue as to why Jesus compares himself with the bronze serpent in the wilderness. When Jesus was lifted up like the serpent, he became an emblem just like that serpent did. He became an emblem of our sins, of our debts, of our curse. He became the emblem of all the worst things of humanity, the things that haunt our steps and our memories. He took them upon himself as he was nailed to the cross. Jesus, lifted up on the cross, was the ultimate emblem of sin in all its brutal ugliness. And it's when we look at that emblem in its brutal ugliness that we find healing. When we look on Jesus and believe, the sting of death goes away, because physical death only becomes an entrance into eternal, abundant life with God. When we look on Jesus, the cursed one, cursed on our behalf, we gain every spiritual blessing from God. When we look on Jesus, death flees and life overwhelms. Because ultimately, when we look upon Jesus and believe, we aren't just healed. No, in that passage we read, it said that in Him, we become the righteousness of God. God doesn't just heal those who believe. He places His perfect righteousness upon them and blesses them as if their sin was never theirs. Their sin was on the cross where Jesus suffered. Their death was placed upon the author of life, and their unrighteousness was traded for God's perfection. Jesus said this to Nicodemus, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. It's no wonder that the very next verse is this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The words of Jesus don't challenge us intellectually and spiritually like they did Nicodemus. They aren't a challenge at all. Because what Jesus was telling Nicodemus wasn't a problem to be solved. It was a man lifted, a man lifted up on a cross. It was God leaving his heavenly home for a world gone astray. Jesus wasn't giving a challenge. He was giving an invitation. Look and live. Join us next time as we see a prophet for hire, a talking donkey, and prophecies about the future Messiah King. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023